It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we have a bit of a news and notes episode for you all. We're going to chat about all things soccer. Before we get into that, a quick reminder... Please watch all our episodes and exclusive interviews on YouTube. You can subscribe to our page to get notified whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. Lisa, we're back at it. How are you doing today, bud? We are um, happy to be back at it. We have like a light game week, right? No midweek action in the NWSL. Only one game on Labor Day weekend because it's an international break. Um, it's it's almost like a chance for us to catch our breath, but there's still so much to talk about and so much to do because the end of a month, we like to highlight uh, the players and and teams that did really well throughout the month of August. There's a bit of news that we have to update on, but um, yeah. I am good. Taking a deep breath today, but how are you, buddy? Same, same here. I think uh, you and I, when we both are like in, doing all the content planning, like in between in the moment, the, the rare moments where we're not actually recording, um, we take a look at the landscape and we're like, hey, like we wonder if like what we're going to talk about this week and stuff like that. But that was funny, like even with this particular episode, because it's like there's always things to talk about, um, you know, across the globe or even just just here uh, stateside. But uh, something that I'm really excited to talk about, and we both agree that, like, listen, it's it's time to to amp it up in the build up to Women's Super League. Let's start with that right off the back. First of all, we want everyone to know if you didn't know, now you know. The Barclay Women's Super League is coming to Paramount Plus. We are going to have full breakdowns of the league, the teams, and we're going to have special guest analysts on to explain it all and prepare everyone ahead of the season, which kicks off on Saturday, September 10th on Paramount+. Plus. I am so excited for this. Uh, it's been a long off season for the Super League and it's back. And And I think the best part is that fans of the NWSL that are already tuned into Paramount Plus, they're watching Serie A, they're watching Champions League on there. They've got everything they need soccer wise. Now you get a little bit extra. It's like returning to the buffet. You get a little bit more because the Super League is, is fantastic. The WSL, um, I'm excited for the start. September 10th, we got Tottenham kick off that match and i am truly truly excited for that one yeah tottenham versus uh manchester united uh, excited about that i know we're gonna uh have a couple episodes uh in the build-up to that uh kickoff day and uh, i'm really excited about it i'm excited to sort of weave in 
um, WSL uh, into all of the stuff that we do here at Attacking Third. Uh, I, I just think a little bit about like the summer that we just had or that we're going through and and how we had that wild July and then August didn't slow down, quite frankly, with uh, the NWSL action and then all of the uh, sort of in-club season club competitions that were taking place as well. And it just sort of feels like we're we're going to keep it moving. We're going to keep it rolling. And, and now it's time to, to welcome WSL into the fold. And we're very, very hyped about that. So everyone, please, please stay tuned uh, for all the good stuff that we've got coming down the pipeline regarding WSL. You don't want to miss it. And if you're like not really too familiar with WSL, I mean, like this is where you want to be, right? Like we're going to hook you up with like the 101s. We're going to hook you up with like, the, the what to knows, like who are top teams, who are teams that might be considered a dark horse, those teams that maybe might make that next leap. So um, make sure that you're, again, subscribed to our YouTube and uh, you'll have access uh, to those episodes and you'll be all up to date ahead of kickoff. Uh, so shout out to WSL. We're really excited to bring you uh, and to welcome you into the family and Paramount Plus. Um, but let's maybe uh, pivot a little bit, Lisa. Let's pivot to some news. Uh, while we celebrate WSL, we have to talk about a very interesting occurrence, right? We saw uh, a statement that dropped just uh, yesterday as of this recording um, issued by uh, by by PRO referees. So they issued a statement um, in uh, in regards to the New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC versus Angel City FC game. And there, there was a moment in this game when we talked about it during the recap in which there was essentially a no call for Gotham FC. Uh, it was essentially a goal that was scored by, by Gotham. And uh, during the game, as as everybody saw on replays, um, it was it was a goal that was not essentially disallowed, but never never called or credited. And, uh, and instead, a corner kick was awarded. And if you're again, if you're subscribed to YouTube or watching us right now on YouTube, we have the clip for you. You can go ahead and check that out, and you could see kind of a little bit of the confusion, the chaos, uh, you know, the disappointment. Quite frankly, out of the Gotham players uh, not being uh, awarded the goal uh, by Anamanu there. So, in light of this moment in which there were all these highlights, right? Tons of angles to sort of see that this ball did cross the goal line. Uh, PRO issued a statement which reads, during the National Women's Soccer League match between New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC and Angel City FC on August 28th, an egregious officiating error was made in the 12th minute when a goal was incorrectly not awarded to New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC after the ball had crossed the, the goal line between the goalposts. The match officials misjudged where the ball had crossed the goal line and wrongly awarded a corner kick to New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. The officials involved in this error have been removed from their next PRO assignments. And uh, when we saw that drop, Lisa, we were like, that's that's massive. Uh, completely massive. So this call that happened and the no goal was mass chaos and confusion for everyone on the pitch, for everyone watching this game, for those calling the game, the broadcasters, because it, this goal – the ball was clearly over the line and it was a goal. And I've actually been thinking about this since this match because um, on Sunday, because I, I, I was on the call for this game and I was just very confused as to how a sideline assistant referee 
the AR could call this a corner kick and not a goal. And, and maybe I was thinking that the AR was on the end line, like truly by the corner flag, right? That's their positioning. That's where they should be to see if the ball crosses the goal line. And the AR saw that it crossed the goal line, but thought it was on the outside of the post, perhaps. That's what I'm thinking. This is the conclusion I've come to because I initially started to think as the ball goes up, does it cross over the goal line and then come back into the goal and hit off the post? Like, no, I mean, I'm not that great at physics, but I don't think that's possible. Yeah. So so I have to think that the AR made a mistake. I mean, yes, there's definitely a huge mistake here. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I have to think that the AR thought the ball went over on the outside of the goal than inside the goal where it was. Um, so just a lot of confusion there. I hope that um, everyone can learn from this situation. And the fact that pro issued a statement makes me very um, hopeful that there will be lessons learned from this situation. Whereas officials can stop the play and talk, the center official can talk with their AR and say, Hey, what did you see? Where did you see that ball? Cause it was between the goalposts, right? So the center official can yeah. see that the ball was between the goalposts and he doesn't know if it crossed the line or not. Meanwhile, the AR they are seeing that it crossed the line, but they don't know where it was on the field. So there needs to be a communication and a conversation between the center official and the AR to determine, um, yes, this was indeed a goal, and we're going to move forward with that. Um, without VAR, there are still ways to go about troubleshooting issues on the field or unseen moments on the field, and that's one of them, by communicating and talking. But I think it's positive that there was a statement coming out from pro saying that this was an egregious mistake. This was our fault and that these officials have been removed from their next assignments um, due to this error. Now, yes, it's a great first step, but how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? We need to have maybe different training, maybe increased training, maybe this becomes part of the training, like this specific yeah. video in this clip, because as you mentioned, there are so many highlights of it um, because this has been the topic of officiating has been a topic throughout the entirety of the NWSL season this year, whether it's missed fouls, missed hands, handballs, um, no handballs that are called handballs leading to penalty kicks and goals, uh, goals that cross over. I know there was one for Sophia Jakobsen in the last San Diego match as well. Um, and, and in that last one for San Diego, they ended up winning that match. But in, in this case for Gotham, they end up losing three to one. And this goal uh, by Ifioma Anamanu that was not called a goal would have changed the, the shape of this game. So does that play a factor into the statement coming from pro that that this goal would have changed something in a game? And if a team is already winning for nothing and you miss the, the fifth goal, does that really matter? I mean, yes, it does matter. But perhaps um, a game-changing play like this is something that sparked this conversation. Do you see this as a positive uh, for the league and for pro referees? Is there change to come? You know, I, I'm yes and no. I'm a little bit mixed on it, quite frankly, because, you know, I think on one hand, there's 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 often been within, and we're, I think I just want to like we're gonna narrow the lens of, of just this being on NWSL because, you know, PRO for referees, you know, they, they get assignments in, in multiple areas, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, an NWSL, you know, MLS, uh, and and probably you know, leaves uh, underneath, you know, secondary and, and lower on the tier and so forth. But I think within this, within this space, NWSL specifically, 
you know, there's often been a lot of, we'll just say like butting of heads, I think between, um, between the two parties, you know, players have often expressed disappointment or frustration with officiating. We, we know, uh, there have been endless coaches, <laughs> quite frankly, who have also, you know, issued a lot of displeasure, you know, amongst, um, the officiating in, in the league, um, several coaches, I think even, even former coaches who no longer coach in this league, like it, it's just often been a thing, you know, we've, there are, are numerous, um, moments where you have somebody like Laura Harvey saying like, I don't, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to get fined or, you know, examples like that. So I think because of, um, because of that history between, between the two sides, I think on the one hand, they look at, this is looked at as a bit of accountability, accountability and that this is a good thing that, uh, that they went ahead and tried to, to get in front of or, or tried to, you know, to, to put out there into the public mm-hmm. and rectify things as, as much as they could, because obviously this doesn't impact the results of, of that game. Um, it's just a statement of consequence from that game. And, I think within it, it's it's both yes and no for me because it's like on one hand, it's a, it's a good thing. And then the other, I think it opens the door a little bit. I think it's only going to open the door for for folks to, you know, bully and harass officials even more than they already do. Because let's be frank, there's a lot of ugly stuff that gets thrown around and, and set out there. Um, and, you know, that's not helpful to the current situation, I think, in place, which and the current situation being that I think a lot of people, they can go out there and, and see for themselves that there's a lot on record already that there has to be done about officiating right within the league and within Piero Ferris that there was a very there was a very long and lengthy um, union battle, you know, amongst uh, the referees, uh, better standards that they also needed to have um, on their game days that also included things like better training and stuff like that, you know, and um, those are all things that you want to see happen mm-hmm. with officials of the game. You want those things for, <laughs> for the officials so that they can better officiate um, matches, quite quite frankly, um, especially when we're talking about a time and place in this era of football where there's a shortage in this country of officials because of all of those things that I just mentioned. There's, there's, there's no one who's saying like, you know what I'd really like to do? Go be a referee. Like someone's not like, there's not a lot of people who are saying like, yes, I absolutely want to open myself it up. It is to, a thankless job. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I absolutely want to go out there and job. open myself up to, to harassment and bullying and, and threats and, potentially physical harm like no no one is like no like same person is like consciously like i mean d- despite like so all it's, a mix, the- it's a mixed bag for me i i like it you know but i think like something like this also opens the door for like something else i think if like there's a, a call that that somebody disagreement somebody disagrees with that there's a potential to say like well you need to be suspended and etc cetera, etc cetera, you know so um it's it's uh it's good in many ways. There's a lot of pros and cons of anything. I think this is, is one of those um, but it's unprecedented. I think that was the thing for you and I. We were just like, hey, this is the first time this has ever happened. And um yeah. you know, hopefully my thing is hopefully it doesn't happen again. I think that's also the point within this, right? Like hopefully it doesn't have to get to this point again. Yeah, I hope so. I'm I was surprised at the statement, frankly. Like we, yeah, we haven't too. heard much from pro and the fact that they responded to this situation. Um I think it's a good thing, right? Like it's, it's more than we've heard in the past about missed calls uh, that we've seen over the last couple months. So I think it's a step in the right direction, um, and perhaps even just like open lines of communication. That's a great step in the right direction. 
Yeah, we'll see. And for folks who are like, uh, like you know, just just curious about like how things, you know, like that go. One of one of the things about uh, you know pro referees is is they do open themselves up, um, and make themselves available throughout mm-hmm. matches. And I'm kind of like getting into I'm weeding into like the media coverage waters of this stuff for 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 folks who are just like curious about these things. But um, unlike maybe some other sectors of uh, you know official referees. Uh, PRO actually, you know, tries to make themselves available for comment uh, in in games. So there's typically a pool reporter that is assigned to a, a live match, and there's uh, an allotment, I believe, of three up to three questions that can be asked mm-hmm. of officiating, you know, and whether or not or how they answer, I think maybe is is always up in the air. Oftentimes, there could be a question regarding a certain call within a certain minute. And then a lot of times the answer might just be like the officiating saw X, Y, Z per yes. rule, ABC. Right. So it's, it's, it's not often where there's a ton of lengthy, you know, answers or, you know, explanations when in it, but there is, there's opportunity there. Right. Um, and I, I do know that there was, um, you know, a pool reporting uh, question that was submitted. And unfortunately to my understanding, there weren't answers from that moment, but this, this in itself, this statement is a pretty huge statement of an answer, I think, come, coming um, out of it. So ho- hopefully in the future, um, something like that error doesn't happen again. Hopefully in the future, um, officials actually answer the, the, the poor reporting questions uh, that are submitted to them. And uh, hopefully we get to, um, you know, continue to sort of maybe close out the remainder of this season with less questionable scenarios like this uh, down the line. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason building a business is tough. Taylor brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing to growing your business. Taylor brands, isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success with Taylor brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash cbs sports so start your business journey today with taylor brands when you have sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen because we're entering, this is called the transition, folks, because we are now entering uh, what is essentially the final stretch, the final month of the NWSL season. So we've been hyping that up. We, we just went through the standings for the end of August with everybody in our previous episode. And um, it's now going to be September all the way through October 2nd, right? Sort of kind of close uh, 
or through mid-October, yeah, to, to sort of close out the remainder of this ton of teams in, in a playoff push, and not just the teams that are in the upper uh, six of the table. Um, but uh, we wanted to take the time here to talk about August a little bit more because uh, I think with August, we really got to sort of see the league kind of crank itself up a little bit. So while um, this final month is, is really that final push, it sort of has, there have been some games and there have been some player performances that have sort of really stood out and have really helped elevated that kind of playoff push energy. So what we wanted to do was go through and uh, go through like a team of the month. Uh, for August and sort of see, like recognize some, some player performances. And quite frankly, doing this specifically for this month, Lisa, uh, I think it was maybe, I don't want to say it was harder than previous months, but it's just that there were just a lot of really good individual performances, I think over the course of August that we got to see uh, across all 12 clubs. Yeah. The competition was very good this month. Um, In terms of like chaos, there was a lot of goals, right? There was a lot of action. There was a lot of different goal scorers. There was a lot of individual players um, in the attacking side of the field that really stepped up, which maybe made choosing some of the defensive side of this a little bit trickier because in terms of like team of the month and picking players, there's it's, Uh, It's easier for me to say, wow, this player scored in the four games that were played. They scored in three of them. They had an assist in the other one. Like there are stats, like tangible stats. And on the other side of the ball, which frankly, I enjoy a little bit more on the defensive side of it. It's actually breaking down their play. And and sometimes it's hard to think like, okay, well, this team, they didn't win any game this month or they tied twice and then they lost twice. But defensively, it's the individual skill. So I think that's where it did get a little tricky because this month was very open. We saw a lot of movement. We saw a team like Orlando Pride pick up points and climb the standings. A team like North Carolina score a plethora of goals against their opponents, but also concede a lot of goals. So there's just a lot of back and forth between this. Um, I'm excited. We made different, different teams of the month, some crossover in our players, but you and I both have different teams, different 11 players. Yeah, a little bit, right? We tried to to try to switch things out uh, a little bit here, but I, I also think that sort of speaks to the performances, the, the similarities that you and I are going to have on on our eleven here. I think sort of speaks to the fact that these that yes, like these players obviously had some pretty impressive, uh, you know, month of August for mm-hmm. for their clubs. So uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and start off first, Lisa. Oh, I love this. Thank you, Sandra. I'm going to start in the back, of course, with um, our goalkeepers. This was actually a really hard one for me to pick, but I ended on Erin McLeod, goalkeeper for Orlando Pride. Um, She's played every minute for Orlando, but throughout this last month, the Pride really snuck up. They they picked up points and a lot due in part to a player like McLeod who was in goal, uh, saving a lot of the shots that came her way to keep Orlando in games, whether it was a tie um, or just picking up points here and there. Uh, she's second in the league in saves right now. She's got 61 behind Katie Lund with uh, 79. So like she's at the top of this and she's put under a lot of pressure. And I've just been really impressed with what McLeod can do. Um, I'm going to run through my whole 11. Is that how we want to do this? Yeah, go, go, okay, go cool. for it. So back line, I have uh, Naomi Gurma of San Diego Waves, Zoe Morse of Chicago Red Stars, Kelly Hubley of Portland Thorns. And then this is like a little bit of a curveball, but Taylor Smith of okay. Gotham. Um, right. She it 
was a defender. Taylor Smith was a defender way back when. She We've most recently in the league seen her be a forward. And she scored a handful of goals for Gotham. She was uh, picked up by Gotham and, and stepped into that team seamlessly. But most recently, we saw her on the back line. And I really, really liked her this past weekend on the back line, creating chances for Gotham. Um, and, and then Zoe Morris for Chicago. Like, Chicago's back line is just falling apart. They don't have a lot of defense. They don't have a lot yep. of depth. And they've leaned on a player like Morse. And I think she's done an incredible job. And then Germa and Hubley, just two standout players, um, that have just done tremendous work. Midfield, Maggie Doherty Howard of Orlando Pride. She notched two goals this month and really just trying to stabilize things for Orlando in the midfield. And I think she did a good job of it. She's a big reason that Orlando turned things around this month. Lola Bonta for Kansas City. I mean, need I say more? We could give her this award just for her celebrations, but that is not why she gets it. It's for all of her hard work, the defensive work that Labonta does in the midfield. Um, offensively, she's the the clicking piece, the playmaker for Kansas City. And then Carrie Ricaro of Angel City. She uh, notched a handful of goals this month. And, and the first time in her career, she is playing with so much confidence and she's taking shots on goal. I've really been impressed with uh, Carrie Ricaro and, and what she's been doing at Angel City, helping them pick up points. Uh, my front line. So I'm going with a 4-3-3 here. Three forwards. This is like a no-brainer to me. Ebony Salmon of Houston Dash. Diana Ordonez from North Carolina Courage. And Megan Rapino from OL Reign. I mean, need I say more? These players stepped up and had huge, huge months for their respective clubs. I mean, you look at a player like Megan Rapino in the four matches played in August, she had three assists and four goals in those games. Like a, a player that truly, truly changed everything for OL Reign and continues to do that game in and game out. Salmon stepped up. She gained so much confidence this month with Houston scoring goals and Diana Ordonia. She's making a run for the golden boot race. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. That so that's my eleven. That's who I've got rolling with. Uh, listen, you you like it. I love it. There's there are going to be similarities across um, our two teams here. So I, I'm I'm maybe not going to, you know, sort of uh, you know harp on maybe the the, the similar picks that that we made. Um, but I'm going to also start from the back. I, I ended up going um, with Didi Heritage. I I was going back and forth because one of the things that kind of stood out to me. Uh, in the month of August was just like this continued run that Orlando Pride went went through. So it was it was tough for me to sort of uh, narrow it down to, to to one bid. And I'm going with Heritage because I thought she she had some good performances for for Angel City uh, in in August specifically. They're a team that are still on the outside looking in, but they're keeping pace in, in this in this playoff push, and they're sitting just outside. Uh, of playoff standing and there were some really unfortunate moments for this team that they're probably going to go back and look at in their results in August and sort of say hey this is probably something this is a game here or two games here where we could have actually had this one in the bag and there were moments here where you just sort of saw um you know, you hate to sort of see it, but the defense kind of letting down, you, you know, the, the the performance um within some of those those matches. But uh, I, I do think that there was enough there from here to sort to, to sort of go ahead and and, and uh, earn some honors for for August for sort of maintaining um you know performance with Angel City to sort of keep them afloat. Quite frankly, going into this final stretch of the season, backline pretty similar. Quite frankly, I also have Naomi Gurma. I feel like she kind of um came back from the 
the CONCACAF W Championship and needed a little bit of time to get going. As, as most, most players who came back from that tournament um, did need a little bit of time to get reacclimated with their club teams. Um, but I think once we sort of slid in, in into to August, things kind of ironed themselves out. And I really enjoyed watching uh, Guillermo in this uh, most recent um match against Portland Thorns. So she she absolutely got the honors. I I have Zoe Morse on there as well for all the similar reasons that, that you've mentioned. I think um at this point when you're looking at their Red Stars offensive line, kind of the anchor, quite frankly, throughout the this entire season, but really throughout the duration of the month of August as well, as players were kind of coming in and out um of that uh, back three with injury. I've also got Kelly Hubley. She's been doing really well for Portland all year as well um, as in August. But I'm gonna give some honors uh, the defensive line to, to Katie Naughton uh, as well in this one. She's someone who I think has uh, stepped up uh, once more uh, for this Houston dash uh, back line in light of some, again, changes that they see uh, throughout the entire season. And I think they went on an incredible run um, in August here. And I think that she uh, deserves some love as well. I, 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 was torn between you know choosing mostly center backs but I couldn't help it I thought uh they had a uh, really really good performances I think there's a case to be made for somebody like a Carson Pickett you know in this one but this is ultimately what I settled on in terms of the midfield I also have a low um Labanta in this one I think the run that Kansas City has gone on sort of is a testament to that and what she's done for this team particularly during this month of August has been huge she's absolutely someone who is um you know on the radar of my MVP watch and I think that she's been an absolute beast for this team in the midfield. I've also got Kari Vaccaro. She's had a very good month talk about a a player who has sort of uh you know risen her profile a bit uh for the for this um not just this club, but I think maybe a little bit, uh, you know, across across the league. She's someone who has been able to sort of uh, sustain things in that midfield for for Angel City, but she's also uh, racked up a couple goals, like like you said as well, Lisa. But I think for the third midfield area is where we differ. I ended up going with Vanessa Di Bernardo, Chicago Red Stars. They had a little bit of a, of a mix. August two wins, two lo- two losses here, but I think for for Di Bernardo, what she's been putting together for this team all year and specifically what we saw during this month is quite frankly, how lost a little bit of this middle third of the pitch would be if they didn't have a player of her caliber in that area. And for me, that's sort of what it comes down to. If you remove a player from this position, or if you remove a player from this area on the pitch, how is that team going to, to sort of handle it? So will they thrive or will they flounder? And I think for the Red Stars, it's a little bit of the latter. And uh, I think with the exception of uh, that Angel City game where they did a lot of work but get the goal, I think Di Bernardo has been putting together a very, very quiet kind of not even dark horse, but very long shot type of MVP kind of um, level of season for the Red Stars. So I've got her amongst the midfielders as well. And no shocker here, you and I have the same front line with Ardonia, Salmon, and Rapino. I think when you're looking across the board of the uh, forwards who have scored, during the month of August specifically, these were the players that kind of gave the most exciting performances and were constant felt like they were constantly in the headlines, quite frankly. But um, it wasn't, uh, I think, up until the final weekend of games. I don't know if so so many of these areas in, the, in, in our team of the month were solidified, quite frankly. I, I think maybe sort of having that final game maybe kind of cemented some things. But I think you can go back through through some of these positions and make a case for multiple players during the month of August. And um, while Ebony Salmon, I think, has been the best midseason acquisition for a team this year, I think 
CeCe Kaiser has also made a case for herself as well with Kansas City Current. Yeah, I I understand. Sorry about that. I've I've been drinking my tea over here, so I muted myself. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I like our acquisitions for this team of the month. This was really hard to do, pick some of these players that uh, have shown because it's been a great month in the NWSL, and I can't believe that August is already done. It's a bit surreal. I know. Well, I mean, we, that just means that we're going to – the stage is set. The stage is set for sort of the final rem, uh, remaining weeks, four to five weeks remaining for for some clubs here uh, in the regular season, and it's going to be exciting. We're going to be covering every single minute of it. We're going to have more for everyone later this week. So thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third. Uh, thanks to everyone who voted for us uh, in the – uh, People's Choice Podcast Awards. If uh, you haven't been able to check your spam folders, you should probably do that now in case you <laughs> voted for us in the preliminary round. We want to let you know that we will be back to preview the weekend slate of games for you all on Thursday. And uh, make sure you tune in for all of the WSL content that we've got coming for you down the pipeline. Thanks, everyone. For tuning in, follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Attacking Third. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Attacking Third. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.